We are back for episode 19 of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm your host, Robert Massey, and today we are going to talk about how to get great photos inside buildings. We run into this problem a lot when traveling. You are inside an amazing cathedral or museum or castle, and you want to show people just how amazing the inside was. But every time you take a photo, it turns out really dark or blurry or just doesn't look as good as you think it should. Well, today, we are going to talk about some little steps you can take to remedy some of these problems and create amazing photos while inside. But first, a quick word about who sponsors this podcast, which is Robert Massey Photography. The Travel and Adventure Photography School is the educational arm of Robert Massey Photography. That's the photography business of me, your host. We are a boutique content creation firm that specializes in crafting images that speak to the heart. The art we create is often done in some of the most beautiful places in the Rockies and around the world. You can help support this show and get yourself a fabulous piece of art by purchasing a high-quality, handcrafted art print from robertmasseyphotography.ca. This helps us keep the Travel and Adventure Photography School running smoothly and churning out high-quality educational content just for you. All right. With that said, let's get going. How to take better photos while inside. I'm going to give you eight tips that should help you do this. One thing we won't cover specifically in this episode is how to take better photos of people while you're inside. Although all of these tips apply to taking photos of people, there are some more specifics that we will get into in a future episode that will really help you enhance those photos of people indoors. That being said, here is tip number one. So tip number one, learn the exposure triangle. Understanding the exposure triangle is fundamental to taking better photos inside. This is because you will have to take control of your camera and its settings to get a great image. If you don't know what I mean by exposure triangle or just need a refresher, check out episode 12 where we talk all about the exposure triangle and how it will drastically improve your photography. In a nutshell, the exposure triangle talks about how three of the elements of exposure, ESO, shutter speed, and aperture, work together to expose a scene. While shooting indoors on auto, your camera will often drop the shutter speed super low. This makes it much more difficult to get a photo without shaking the camera and thus causing blurry images. Or your camera may misread a scene due to a candle or one bright window and severely underexpose the shot. This is why you will need to learn the exposure triangle. Pulling your camera into manual mode will give you a much better chance of creating a great image but you need to understand how ESO, shutter speed, and aperture work together to create the best images. So, learn your exposure triangle. Alright, on to tip number two. Watch out for bright spots. Most indoor spaces you will be in will have some sort of bright light source, such as windows or a fire. These light sources can quickly become overexposed if you are trying to show off the rest of the interior. Severely overexposing light sources like windows can lead to losing details in your highlights or washing out a section of your image, leaving that weird, muted, flat glow that you see when you severely overexpose a window. Now, there are a few things you can do to avoid this. If you can, don't include the light source in the image. This allows you to expose for the rest of the scene without worrying about blowing out your highlights. So recompose your shot to get rid of that light source so it's not actually there and becoming a focal point. Now, if you can't remove the bright light source from your photo, you can try shooting a bracketed shot. 
This means you will shoot three, five, or seven images in a row from the same spot without moving or changing your focal length. Most cameras have a bracketing feature in them that will change your shutter speed for you. Bracketing allows you to shoot the scene so it is generally exposed properly in one frame, and then have a few more frames that are under and overexposed that you can layer them back together to recover details in the highlights and shadows. Watch out over doing this in post, however, as you can quickly create a cartoonish, unrealistic image. This is best used to subtly bring detail back into spaces like windows. This technique is commonly done in real estate photography. So if you look at a picture of a place for sale, you will frequently see that both the interior and what is outside the windows is visible. This is normally only achieved by taking a photo that exposes for the details outside the window, and then one more that exposes for the interior. And then in post, you layer those two images back together so that you can see out the window, and you can see the details inside at the same time. There is software that will help you do this. You don't have to manually layer things back together yourself. Of course, you can if you want to do that, but there's also software that will help you do this, including right into Photoshop and right in Lightroom. One of the spaces where bracketing doesn't work great is where the light source changes a lot, like with a fire. In this case, you're going to have to do a more intensive relayering process in Photoshop, and it's going to take quite a bit more work. But you can make it happen. All right, lastly, if you can't keep the light source out of your image and bracketing won't work, then expose slightly to the right. Just ensure not to blow out the highlights. Exposing to the right is a term for when you look at a histogram, which is where you see those mountain-like looking things that tell you where your light sources are and if it's dark or overexposed or something like that. And on the right side of a histogram is where your bright light sources are. So it's anything that's highlights and whites and stuff like that that is in your image. So when we say exposing to the right, it means slightly exposing your image so that it's moving a little bit into the overexposed range, but that's so that you can bring up a little bit of detail in the shadows and stuff, and then you can bring it back down in post. Now, this process may not give you all the details in the shadows or all the details in the highlights, but in post, you can more easily recover details from highlights than in shadows. So slightly overexposing a light source can work. Just don't go too far, obviously. All right, tip number three, think wide and fast. Often, inside spaces, you are going to want a lens that goes really wide and has a fast aperture. This allows you to capture the space more easily without worrying about stitching panoramas. And it also allows you to get more light into your camera, meaning lower ESOs and higher shutter speeds. We talked a lot about this in episode 17, travel gear you need. But we'll go over it really quickly here. You're going to want something akin to a 14mm f2.8. Those are typically fairly small lenses, fairly light, and they work great because they give you a wide angle of view and a pretty low aperture. So these are great lenses for inside tight spaces. All right, tip number four, try to stabilize your camera. Stabilizing your camera can be done on a tripod, but it can also be done by you resting your camera on a ledge or on another solid surface. This allows you to use longer shutter speeds, lower ISO, and a better aperture for the space and what you're trying to shoot, which all makes it easier to expose shots in dark spaces because you have a lot more leeway with what you are trying to do. Of course, follow all the rules for the space that you are in. Some buildings won't allow tripods and others certainly won't want you resting your camera on some of the things that are in there. But finding a way to stabilize your camera can give you a lot more flexibility. So... 
If you want to know more about how to stabilize your camera, check out episode 13 of the podcast where we go over all the great things about tripods, monopods, and a couple of the hand-holding techniques you can use to try and get the most stable image that you can. Tip number five, watch your lines. One of the big things to watch for when taking photos indoors is intersecting and horizontal lines. When you are shooting, watch out for where the position of tables, chairs, and other items in the space intersect with each other in your photo. Often, a line of items, one after the other, after the other, after the other, will end up being a bit messy. But if you can rearrange the space or rearrange your composition to unclump these items, you will get a better balanced photo. Also, watch how objects cluster around your subject. Is your subject clear or are there too many competing objects around them leading into or away from your subject? Are they really crowded around them? Are you looking for other objects instead of the subject? Really just make sure your subject is the clear focal point. Also, watch out for the lines on the walls, like the horizontal and vertical lines. This can be one of the subtler problems in interior photos, but can make a huge difference between an okay photo and a really good one. Lines on walls can frequently bend away from each other when they should be going in a straight line, and this can cause your photo to have a warped feeling to it that makes your viewer a little uneasy and uncertain if the roof was slanted or if the building was askew or if something was just off. Mostly, this is caused by lens distortion and can sometimes be fixed with careful correction and post-processing. And especially on a lens like the 14mm, you're going to see that problem particularly right on the edges of that 14mm. So really watch your lines, and if you're really close to a wall, you're more likely to start getting some distortion really close to you. So keep an eye on what those horizontal and vertical lines are doing, particularly on walls. All right, tip number six, keep the ceiling out of it. Too often I see people taking interior photos and including a ton of the ceiling. This just doesn't make for a very interesting shot overall unless you are in a space with an amazing ceiling. So try to include as little of that ceiling as possible and include more of the details in the rest of the space. Often, ceilings are just dead space and the problem is that we include them in there because they are at our eye level. If we're just standing there shooting at eye level, we're going to keep that ceiling and a lot of it in the frame. So that ceiling is just a lot of dead space that isn't working to guide the eye, nor is it working to enhance the feeling of the image. Once again, unless the ceiling is super amazingly interesting, but in a lot of spaces, it's not. So this can easily lead to a really dull composition. Instead, try changing your angles. Get low to the ground and shoot along the floor, or try to get up high and look back down over the space. Changing from your viewpoint of just your eye to another angle can open up some very interesting compositional options. You can even just simply tilt the camera down a little bit if you want to stay standing on your two feet. Just watch that you aren't including too much of the ceiling. Of course, if the ceiling is amazing looking or a feature part of the building, include it in your compositions. But I don't find that to always be the case. Awesome. We're moving on to tip number seven, which ties in very nicely with tip number six. Keep it tight. One of the biggest problems I see in travel photos inside buildings is people trying to include everything in the building in every single shot. Of course, it's great to get an overall shot of a space, but then in subsequent photos, don't keep focusing on everything in there. Look for all the little details in the space and cut the space into smaller sections to show off each part's individual beauty. Overall shots are wonderful, 
but they limit how much people see of the details that make a space truly amazing. So show those details off and bring them into that space with you. All right, moving on to our final tip, tip number eight, use the light you have. We photographers often lament the shots we can't take because we don't have the right lens or the light isn't just right. And that can be amplified indoors where window light or firelight only falls across a portion of the space, making it much harder to shoot overall scenes and show off certain parts of what space you're in. And we can sit in those spaces and complain about that. Or we can focus on what we can do with the light that is provided to us. So focus on where that window light is falling and how it is catching subjects in the room. Can you use that window light to create beautiful portraits of somebody? Does the sunlight capture an object to make it glitter? Does the window cast a really cool shadow on the floor or on something else in the room? Look for what that light can do to help your photos. Use the light that is available in that space to your advantage instead of complaining about the fact that, oh, that window light isn't quite reaching this corner. Or, oh, it's a little bit of harsh lighting in here. Don't just complain about it. Use your creative instincts, your creative eye, and make something cool with what is in front of you. We don't tend to have a lot of control doing travel photography, especially when you walk into those busy tourist sites. So you gotta be able to think on your feet and make do with what is there. And you can probably create some really cool things if you're thinking about creating an image rather than thinking about the images that you can't have. All right, those are our eight tips for shooting indoors. Now, do you have any extra tips? Did we miss something? Did you think of something else during this that you want to learn about? Let us know that. You can find us on Instagram at Travel Adventure Photo School. You can find us on Facebook at Travel and Adventure Photography School. And you can find us online at Travel and Adventure Photography School.com. As always, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this educational journey with me. I love getting the chance to talk photography and I am so soaked. You are taking this time to increase your own skills. Now, let's travel and let's adventure soon, hopefully, everyone. Bye for now.